Welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a resource of Church of the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. We're back with another season of podcasts, and this season our focus is on Christian theology. Pastor Jay and Pastor Joe will be taking us through Charles Ryrie's Basic Theology book, and we encourage you to get a copy and follow along with us. In today's episode, Pastor Jay and Pastor Joe discuss how we are all theologians and why it's important to have correct theology in our daily lives. Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines. And Pastor Joe Sorgen. Welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On today's episode, we're kicking off a new year-long series of discussions on Charles Ryrie's Basic Theology, which we've just started reading, along with many others here at Church of the Open Bible. So every week, we will read a few chapters following a reading schedule, and then Joe and I will discuss what we read on the podcast, which will be released every Sunday after. And in these discussions, we're going to give a brief outline of the section we read, its contents, look at a few key scriptures, and then we will informally talk about what we took away from it and what difference it should make in our lives. And so that's what we're going to do now with the introduction and first chapter of the book, which we hope will be edifying to you our listeners, whether you are part of this reading challenge or not. And so we'll start with the introduction, and I'm actually going to read the first paragraph and a half where Ryrie makes a really important foundational statement as we begin this study. He says, theology is for everyone. Indeed, everyone needs to be a theologian. In reality, everyone is a theologian of one sort or another. And therein lies the problem. There's nothing wrong with being an amateur theologian or a professional theologian, but there's everything wrong about being an ignorant or a sloppy theologian. Therefore, every Christian should read theology. That is such a good way to begin this study. First of all, recognizing everyone is a theologian. What do we mean by that? Usually people think, oh, a theologian, that's some academic somewhere who spends all of his time reading super technical books on the original languages and uh, the the intricacies of theology and uh, doctrine. Or, or maybe it's just for, for pastors or for very learned people, people who like school, people who like reading big, thick books. But he reminds us, no, everyone is a theologian because theology, as he goes on to say, simply means thinking about God and expressing those thoughts in some ways. And so everyone, and obviously particularly Christians, have thoughts about God and do express those in certain ways. And that really uh, came home to me the other day when we were having family worship and we were talking about how God protects his people so often. And we were reading the story of when God actually made the sun stand still uh, in order for Israel to be able to protect themselves against their enemies. And afterwards, our four-year-old said, so, Daddy, it's like when we were in Saskatoon the other day and in that big hotel, if I jumped off the roof, God would protect me. <laughs> well, right there is an example of how our little girl is a theologian. She has very specific thoughts about God and how theology affects the way we live. Her bad theology could lead to very bad actions. And so we need to correct her theology and share with her how 
we do not put God to the test. And while God does often protect and even can in amazing ways, certainly he could change the law of gravity in that moment to save a little girl. Uh, nevertheless, we are not to put him to the test. God often does not intervene in that way. That was a special situation. And so just an example that even a little girl is a theologian and it does have very practical application to life. What do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, every single person and and Ryrie highlights this too, even, even an atheist is a theologian because they too have thoughts, they have beliefs about God. They believe he does not exist. That in itself, that's a theological thought because they're having this, this thought about God. They're expressing that thought in some way more than likely. And so, yeah, it doesn't matter if, if a person doesn't even believe in God. They are technically still a theologian. And, uh, and that means every Christian, obviously, then is also a theologian. And now, um, yeah, every, every single thought that a person has, if you are a churchgoer and you believe certain things about God and you've never read a, th a theology textbook in your life, haven't read a book in 30 years outside of the Bible, doesn't matter. You're still a theologian because you believe something about God. And, uh, and the reason why we're going through a theology book is to help us uh, see the, the importance of theology and help us to maybe grow and realize hmm, some of those thoughts I've had about God for the last 20 years maybe aren't quite right. Uh, and hopefully it'll be a, a, just a good challenge for us to, to recognize that we can still continue to learn more about God, uh, even as life goes on. That's right. And connected to that as well is that often people who say they're not interested in theology because they misunderstand what theology is, will often say things like, well, I just like the practical teaching of the Bible. Just, just tell me how to live, what to do. I don't need to know uh, all of these different truths and doctrines about God. I just need to know the basics and then tell me what to do. Well, as Ryrie said here, and as experience would also uh, determine, obviously what we believe affects our behavior. It changes our actions. And that is certainly true whether it is a little girl, again, thinking about, well, if God will protect me, I can jump off a high building to so many other situations as well. What do you think? What would be some examples of that that you can think of, Joe, where theology has really practical implications to the way we live? Well, um, one, one example would be if, if you believe that, uh, let's see here. Well, if you, if you believe that God heals all the time, for example, and God will always heal if we ask in faith. Uh, that could have some very serious implications because that would mean more than likely you're never going to the hospital, you're never going to the doctor, you're not, if, if your kid is sick, you're not going to take them, take them into the hospital or, or whatever to get medication that will help them and you'll just pray. And uh, now obviously there's nothing wrong with, with praying for healing and there's, there's nothing wrong with laying your hands on someone and, and praying for healing and asking God to heal. But if our theology says that God will always heal, and what, what happens when he doesn't? Mm -hmm. uh, well, our faith is absolutely shattered, or we, we blame it on someone's sin. And uh, it can have huge implications, and it can end up hurting way more people than actually helping anybody, because the theology that, that someone has is a little messed up. And then practically, it messes with things. 
just one example. That's a negative example, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, there's obviously many more positive examples as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And maybe a positive example would be whether or not we believe God is truly almighty, omnipotent. He can, he can do all things according to his will. If we believe that and know that and, and know it not just superficially, but in a deep way, and we can think about the ways God has expressed his uh, omnipotence, his power throughout biblical history, that will very much change the way we pray. Uh, we will pray with hope, with confidence in God. We will pray like Paul said, knowing that he can do far more abundantly than all that we uh, ask or imagine or think. Uh, that those are just some examples, but obviously there are big implications. Now, that might be some motivation then to get some people who in the past have thought, ah, I'm not interested in theology. That's not really my thing. Again, I'm not like a good student. I'm not a big reader. But something else that maybe would also encourage people who've had those thoughts to, to consider studying theology and maybe consider picking up this book and, and joining us in this study is also knowing that big, deep, complex truths can be uh, expressed in simple terms and understood. In other words, you know, we don't have to jump into the deep end right away. And uh, I think often people get discouraged because of that. And big technical words are used. Uh, sometimes theological textbooks are, you know, a foot uh, in, 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 uh, in width of, of, uh, or thickness. And, uh, you know, it can just feel completely overwhelming. But theology does not have to be expressed that way. And one of the things I love about Ryrie in this book is that it is called Basic Theology. And he says right away in the introduction, this book was written for the most who are not, that is not professional theologians. And he goes on to explain how he has written this for the common layperson. And, and I really appreciate that. That's something I love about Ryrie. He's one of my favorite authors. I mean, he's written a lot of books. He's got a study Bible. Is that he is able to write in in the most, you know, in the highest degree and, and can uh, operate in that professional academia world. But he has such a gift of taking very complex truths and making them simple and understandable for the, for the beginner and the intermediate uh, theologian as well. And Joe and I were talking about this before, but that really is a model for us. And that's really our desire. I mean, we as pastors, whenever we're teaching, preaching, counseling, our desire is to take, yes, some truths that can be very complex, difficult to understand from the scriptures. And yet we want to make it as simple and understandable as possible so that even a child can understand. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, I appreciate people like Ryrie who, who write, yeah, big things and make it simple because uh, I'll be, I'll be honest. I love reading, but I've, I'm finding more and more that like academics, though I can do it, I don't necessarily enjoy just like big, big thoughts and big ideas, big mm -hmm. learning as much. I want it to be simple. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, also, I, I also seek to do the same thing then and, and make these bigger thoughts simple as well, yeah. just because I know it's significantly easier to understand then. Yeah. Now, one final motivation for us to want to grow in our understanding of theology, our understanding of God and our ability to express the truths about him is that God himself calls us to 
know and study and express the truth of his word, to know doctrine. Uh, I think of Jude 3 that talks about contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. That faith there is not talking about subjective faith or experience of putting our faith in Christ, but rather the objective faith as in the doctrines of the Bible, the core doctrines of the Christian faith. We're expected to be able to be growing in that. And, and of course, I mean, you read, for example, any of Paul's epistles, and they're just loaded with doctrine, with theology, with truths about God and what he's done for his people. And the scriptures also tell us that uh, we should want to know doctrine, theology, because it does change, as we talked about, the way we live. And I think of Titus 2, where Paul says, but as for you, he's talking to Titus, pastor of the church in Crete, teach what accords with sound doctrine or healthy doctrine. And then he goes on to show what that means, that there are um, areas of our life that are and should be greatly affected by doctrine, by the truth of scripture. He goes on to address older men and how they should be living, older women, younger women, younger men, pastors, all reminding us uh, that the truth of God's word affects our lives. And yet really even more importantly to that is we have to remember, unlike other areas of study, we're not studying a thing or a concept. We are ultimately coming to learn more about and personally know someone, God. Theology is not about acquiring, just acquiring more information about God though that is part of it, it's ultimately acquiring that knowledge so that we can know God more truthfully as he really is and therefore come to know him more personally and come to live in, in a more deep relationship with him and to live a life that is more uh, in conformity to the way that he has designed us to live, to live for his glory. That's, I think, also really important for us to recognize. Exactly. And there's a biblical example of that, too, in a couple of different places. I think specifically of Colossians 1, and I love this passage, uh, verses 9 to 10, where Paul is, he's praying for the people uh, uh, of Colossae, and he's praying that they would grow in their knowledge, that they would grow in sound doctrine, that they would grow in their healthy theology. But then he goes on to say, let that knowledge end up causing you to live holy lives. That's what it's all about. It's so that we may know God better. We may love him more and therefore be holy as he is holy, as as God says that we should do. And so I'll just read that here in uh, Colossians 1, 9 to 10. And so this is Paul writing to the church. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge. There's that word, that knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So that that increasing of the knowledge of God should lead us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to walk uh, holy lives, mm -hmm. to walk by the Spirit, to live as Christians ought. That's what theology should do in our lives. Yeah. And another really important aspect of that is, is it really affects our worship as well as we seek to adore God and praise him and honor him. I mean, if we don't know who God truly is, our worship can, well, it can subtly turn into idolatry where we're worshiping 
a God who in our minds is not the true God, is not God as he has actually revealed himself in scripture, which ultimately is worship that is not worthy of him. I mean, I've heard it said before, just imagine if I'm adoring my wife and, and talking about her with others, right? And and just say, oh, my wife is just the most wonderful woman in the world. She's so beautiful. Let me tell you about her. You know, she she's she's five foot four. She's platinum blonde, uh, blue eyes. Uh, she's from a, um, you know, Swiss background. She, you know, on and on and on. And uh, I just I just love her so much. And and well, would she be pleased? with that kind of adoration? Well, no, because my wife is almost six feet tall. She has dark brown hair and green eyes, and she is from a Russian-German background, right? Um, it, it matters what we believe about God uh, so that we can worship him rightly as he truly is, and also that we can then witness to him accurately. This is the God I worship. This is the God I know. This is the God who wants a relationship with you. And the more we study theology, the more confidence we can have that we are actually speaking of and sharing the God, God as he truly is. Well, if that's not uh, motivation enough for you to be considering digging in and studying theology yourself, whether it's this book study or not, um, I'm not sure what else we can say. I really hope that this has given you some motivation. But we do want to go on to also just briefly discuss uh, the first chapter of the book as well. And Joe, why don't you uh, take it from here? Yeah, so that first chapter was just a few different concepts of theology and and definitions as well. And I appreciate that right away, you know, the first section of this book is titled, and I'll try to say this right, I have trouble with this word, uh, prolegomena. I think I said that right. Yeah, I, I Pro, Lego, Mina, whatever, say it however you want. doesn't really matter, I suppose. But, you know, the very first sentence of the very first chapter, what does Ryrie do? He defines it, thankfully. So, right, he says, uh, prolegomena, the title of this section, simply means uh, pref uh, prefatory pref mm, or preliminary remarks. So just remarks that are made before the rest of the book. It's kind of like important pre-knowledge that we should have. And so I just want to say, like, I appreciate that so much that uh, these big terms, these, you know, there's Latin and Greek terms all over the place in theology. And if you read them and you don't understand what they're talking about, it can just be a big head scratcher. But here they're, they're defined and it's super, super nice, super great. And again, that's something that we hope to do as well, even if Pastor Jay and I are using terms from the pulpit or when we're teaching and, and they're big words. Uh, whether those are theological terms or biblical terms that maybe are often misunderstood, we want to seek to explain what those mean because otherwise you you can hear a word and just end up being like, well, what's that? What's propitiation? You mm -hmm. know, and that's a biblical term that often people are like, what does that even mean? Like, then they have no idea. And so it's very helpful, I think, just to have those definitions of those terms. And so. If you're following along as you're reading and you come across terms that are like, what does that mean? Uh, he'll he'll more than likely explain it. And I think there should also be a glossary here in the back of, of the book that will explain what different terms mean uh, should there be any confusion. So that's just a, a helpful thing as you, as you read to make note of. That's right. And I just want to say too, mm -hmm. don't let those words intimidate you. Uh, Ryrie does a good job of defining them. They are somewhat helpful. 
But yeah, don't let them intimidate you. I still remember reading a book called Prolegomena. and it was all about these preliminary matters and studying theology. And I had written on my uh, pastor's report for that month that that was a book I was reading. And at the council meeting, one of the um, elders or deacons kind of sheepishly raised his hand. Can you tell me what that means? <laughs> you know, and just basically explained it. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, we don't need to feel intimidated by those terms, but just learn them. They can be helpful when you're studying other theology because you can see a word and right away understand the concept, but uh, don't get frightened away by them. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't feel bad if you don't understand. Like, like I said, I can hardly say the word. Never mind understand <laughs> what it, what it means either. Um, but as the chapter here goes on, it talks about the concept of theology and explains what exactly theology is. So it says on page 13 that the word theology from theos or theos meaning God and logos meaning a rational expression means the rational interpretation of religious faith. So therefore Christian theology, what we're talking about, basic theology means the rational interpretation of Christian faith. Basically, again, what we think about God, uh, it's, it's really quite simple. And so that's, that's what theology means. And then it, it mentions three different elements that are included in theology. One, it's intelligible. It has to make some sort of sense. It has to be comprehended. Uh, second, it requires explanation. And that's why books like this are so great. It explains uh, what theology is, what, what the Bible says. It looks to the Bible. As it says, it, in, it involves exegesis and systematization. And so that's super helpful as well. It, it digs into the Bible and says, okay, what does this mean? It explains it. And then finally, number three here in the book, it says the Christian faith finds its source in the Bible. So Christian theology will always be a Bible-based study. And I, I really want to make note of that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, as we study theology, we're not, as Pastor Jay said, just studying concepts out in, you know, way out there. We're not, we're not speculating, speculating. Exactly. Uh, we're looking to the word and uh, good theology books will always have that, the true textbook, the Bible as its main source. And so uh, I just really want to make note of that. We're not studying these concepts that are way out there. We're studying the Bible and, uh, and really trying to dig in and uh, just what are the truths about God that are present in the word mm -hmm. of God as well. And I like that he says, too, we're trying to, theology tries to make it more intelligible. You know, there's people who say, uh, no creed, but the Bible. That's it. I don't need theology. I don't need a doctrinal statement. I don't need any of that. I just read the Bible and believe what it says. Well, you know, there's there's some truth in that in the sense that obviously, again, the Bible is our authority and we come back to it again and again. But to understand it, you have to start somewhere. And being able to simplify things, systematize them, and make them therefore more intelligible as a starting point. Uh, that is the, the, the goal of theology. And that's why we're, we're doing this. But there's always that, sometimes it's called the spiral of going back to scripture. We're always making sure that when we make a theological statement or to make these truths of the Bible more intelligible, we're always going back and refining that and making sure that what we are saying in our in our system or in our statements uh, always fit with what scripture says yeah exactly and there's so much value in uh the believers before us who took the time to meet together in councils and 
and have and make these creeds that explain basic theology for us. And that kind of leads into uh, what we see in page 14 and 15 of this book, Basic Theology, which explains three different types of theology. And the first one is historical theology. And so uh, historical theology, of course, would focus more on what believers in the past have said about the Bible, what they've explained about God. And, uh, and I really like what Ryrie said here. He said, a student can be more efficient in coming to his own understanding of truth by knowing the contributions and mistakes of church history. And I mm -hmm. think that's key. Uh, lots of times, I think people can look on church history with rose-colored glasses and see all of the all of the positives that came out of it, which there are many, many, many positives, but miss the many mistakes that were made as well. You know, uh, there's many uh, huge heroes of the faith that are are were great believers, had so many great things to say, uh, but they made big mistakes too. And so we need to remember that as we as we read them, as we look at different uh, historical things that come about even in this, this textbook. And remember, right, the people that wrote these in the past, they weren't perfect. They weren't God. They're just like us. They're sinners and they obviously make mistakes too. And we hopefully can, can learn from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. So basically historical theology though, is just simply uh, theology that was written previously uh, that was came up with through different councils and creeds, whether that be like the Westminster Confession of Faith or the Nicene Creed. Those are both examples of historical theology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we don't want to be like C.S. Lewis put it, chronological snobs. It's so easy with the dominant sort of evolutionary progressive mindset that we're just getting better and better and smarter and smarter and anything old is useless, right? Only the new is true. And we have to realize, no, we have this long lineage of church history. People who have thought well, thought deeply, people who have often thought much more deeply than most of us do today, and we can learn from them. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's historical theology kind of in a nutshell. So that's that, that first form of theology that is mentioned. The second is biblical theology. And now uh, this might be a little bit confusing as well, because of course, if it's true, good theology, it will be biblical. It will be from the Bible, as we've already highlighted. But what the term biblical theology means, uh, it, it's not saying that that's the only type of theology that comes from the Bible. Rather, it's saying that uh, you're tracing a biblical theme from front to back and then writing about it or uh, or studying it. So, for example, um, if you had a book that traced the theme of the kingdom of God from Genesis through Revelation, that would be an example of a biblical theology of the kingdom of God because it traces a theme from front to back. And that's that's essentially what biblical theology uh, is and what it does. And how, yeah, and how those themes or those doctrines develop mm -hmm. over time through the progress of revelation as God continues to uh, reveal more and more to his people in different times, under different covenants and different dispensations and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's tracing it more historically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and there's, there's tons of different... Uh, things that you can study and do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that is another example of, of biblical theology. And sometimes that can be, or of theology, and that can be really helpful, especially if you are specifically interested in a certain theme in the Bible. It's like, well, what, what does the Bible say about the kingdom of God? What does the Bible say about um, the the priesthood, for example? You mm -hmm. know, what, what about the priests in the Old Testament? But then in the New Testament, it says we're the priesthood uh, as believers. And so like, what, 
what about that? Well, I'm sure that there's many books that would talk about the priesthood and trace it through from old covenant to new covenant and apply it to today as well. And so anyways, that is biblical theology. And it can be very, very helpful, specifically if you're looking to learn about a specific theme. Um, and then the last uh, type of theology that is listed here in Ryrie's book is systematic theology. And that is the type of book that we're going through. This is a systematic theology book, uh, basic theology is. And basically it goes through and looks at every, not maybe not every single, but many different uh, aspects of theology, what we know about God, about the Bible, and just highlights all of them. And it's a lot quicker. It's not going thematically through. It just rather um, goes through and shares what the Bible says about these different areas. So it can include, as, it, as Ryrie says, historical backgrounds, apologetics and defense, and exegetical work, but it focuses on the total structure of biblical doctrine. And so you're basically just looking at the Bible as a whole, and what does the Bible teach us? And that is systematic theology in a nutshell. Yeah, and in, in a way, just because I know sometimes it's confusing, what's the difference between biblical theology and systematic theology? In a way, biblical theology is asking a little bit more of, okay, here's a certain doctrine or theme. How is that developed in the Bible chronologically? Mm -hmm. Or you could say it's like a horizontal. Whereas systematic theology is asking more what the Bible is saying as a whole. And it's almost more vertical, like you're just going through and picking, okay, here, oh, he talks about it here, talks about it here, talks about it here, yeah. and then correlating that together in order to come to conclusions about certain doctrines. Um, I've often said that maybe one way of putting it, all analogies break down at some point, it's not perfect. But if you want to know something about someone from the past, a former Christian hero, let's say, you obviously want to go to the original sources, to their own writings, to their own autobiography, and maybe the biographies written by those who knew them personally. Um, so in the same way, we go to the original source to know about God, we go to the scriptures. Well, if you want to know about someone in the past, you can look to what people have written about those people uh, throughout history uh, based on their writings. That would be like historical theology. Biblical theology would be going to their autobiography and reading it from uh, front to back and, and tracing sort of the development of different parts of their life and their personality and themes. And then systematic theology would be similar to going to those sources and picking out uh, what that person said about this or that or who that person is according to everything written about them. Now, if you want to understand what we've just been talking about a little bit more, you can uh, look into a book that I would suggest. And by the way, we're going to probably throughout this series and these discussions be suggesting other books that can also be helpful if you want to go a bit deeper into particular doctrines. But if you'd like to know a little bit more about the difference between historical theology, biblical theology, and systematic theology, and specifically if you would like to know a little bit about different theological schools, we might call it. Um, I won't go into detail here. But for example, you know, the difference between like Calvinistic theology and Arminian theology, or evangelical theology and liberal progressive theology, that sort of thing. A book I would suggest is the Moody Handbook of Theology by Paul Entz. Really, it is kind of a companion to basic theology. They're both published by the same publisher, Moody Publishing. And it just um, looks at things from a slightly different perspective and unpacks a little bit more about particularly historical and biblical theology. So you might want to check 
that out too. But I think that's where we'll end today. We want to invite you to join us next week as we go on to discuss chapters two and three of Ryrie's book, which will continue to focus on introductory matters or prolegomena, and specifically the presuppositions that we consciously or unconsciously bring to our study of theology, and the all-important question of authority. Uh, both of these very much are foundational to having a good theology. So you won't want to miss that. It's important stuff. We look forward to discussing it next week. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. So long. See you later. <laughs>